you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the com. The com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh, my gosh. We are so glad that you're here. Not you, not that guy, not the guy. The guy right over there. We are glad that you have arrived and everyone else that's here in the room, of course, always we, we welcome you. We, we embrace you. We accept you. In the Chris Voss Show audience, this is a beautiful thing. And if you want even more acceptance, if you want to feel even more special, go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification. There will give you this feeling that will wash over you of acceptance, of love, of being part of something much bigger than yourself. And we don't judge you like other things in your life. So hit the bell notification button. Also, tell your friends and relatives to subscribe to the Chris Voss Show. Go to youtube.com or go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss. Read all the books we're reading and reviewing over there. Go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. There's so many groups over on Facebook, I can't even keep track of them all. So go follow those over there. Today, we have the most amazing author. As always, when don't we have amazing authors and guests on the show? It's just extraordinary. Sometimes I just pinch myself every day. I'm going to pinch myself right now because today we have Peter Sage on the program. You're going to be amazed and blown away at this gentleman. He wrote the book, The Inside Tract, an inspirational guide to conquering adversity and if you don't know him already most people do he is a well-known international serial entrepreneur best-selling author and expert in human behavior he is a highly sought after speaker and coach and has spoken on five continents he shares the stage with the likes of sir richard branson and president clinton just a incredible reputation and resume he has welcome to the show peter how are you Chris, what an absolute pleasure to be here. I am doing fantastic, bordering magnificent, and uh, trying to catch up with your energy, my friend. Dude, I'm mirroring your energy for when you showed up this morning on the show. I was like, waiter, I'll have the coffee he's having. <laughs> so <laughs> give us no, glad to be here. So give us your plug, sir. Tell people where they can find you on the interwebs and find out more about you. Oh, um, uh, pretty standard, really. Yeah, Peter Sage. Uh, if you key that into pretty much any box anywhere, I tend to pop up. But yeah, petersage.com is the uh, is the website and i'm i'm on instagram peter sage 007 youtube peter sage 007 and yeah people say oh wow you're a james bond fan i'm like when i first did it there were six other people before me but that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse well, there you go so are you a james bond fan we we have to clarify that or was Mark. there six before you Mark. or is it just fun yeah splendid splendid uh, yeah. can you do the bond James Bond. James. James Bond. So you're more of a Connery Bond? Is that where you're at? No, it's just that I can't do any of the other actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connery does have that very succinct sort of thing. And I never was a big Roger Moore fan, but I do like the new Bond. At least I think he's... Oh, yeah, they, they still got to put the movie out. But he's been my favorite Bond, which is sad. Sorry, Sean Connery. You just lost the soul, Sean Connery audience. Uh, let's, we're going to talk about who you are and what you do. But to tell us what motivated you to write this book, and then we'll get into some of the aspects of it here in a bit. Wow. Okay. I'll see off the bat. It was never, ever meant to be a book. This was 
as you say, the, the, the headline is The Ultimate Guide to Conquering Adversity. And there's a lot of people going through adversity right now. And I didn't write the book for them, although the book is perfectly written for anyone going through adversity, especially in today's climates. And I know that's a lot of people right now, whether that's emotional, psychological, financial. And it's it really was the uh, a private diary and tradecraft account. Now, I've spent 30 plus years in, in two fields. One is entrepreneurship. I dropped out of school at 16. I I couldn't spell MBA. And I I essentially started my first business at 17. I've had 26, 27 international companies since then. Some have failed majestically. Some have have made millions. Some have lost millions. Some should have stayed ideas when I was drunk. uh, (laughs) Everything in between. And uh, pretty much paralleling that was my passion for personal growth, personal development. And I remember I left school and... Yeah, I'm not academically gifted. Yeah, I'm not a smart guy when it comes to, to, to book smarts. Yeah, I, I know that school only teaches you two things. Yeah, certainly traditionally when I was at school, and that's how to pass tests and work for somebody else. And none of those were high on my agenda. And yeah, I, I got out in the, in the big wide world, but I, I suddenly, I came across personal growth when I was 17. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. You, you mean there's an industry that teaches success? Wow, where was that at school? Yeah. That's what I wanted to learn, not in algebra. You should right? yell at your career counselor teacher. Yeah, I did. <laughs> they said I'd never do well in business, I think. Oh, they're never right. Fuck those people. No, no comment. But no, it's been, it's been a wild ride. But that personal growth in the early years, it was really about me trying to achieve more. You know, when I make my first million, then I'll have made it. And yeah, you know, I made my first million in my early 20s. And guess what? Yeah, I still felt as if I was empty because, oh, I know why. It's because I need two million in case I lose the first. And you're off on this chase of this perpetual chasing the more. And it was really about trying to prove to the world that I was good enough by trying to avoid the insecurities as a young man that I wasn't. Mm. And that was really the impetus. Personal growth in the early days gave me the ability to go achieve stuff, really so I could find out that achieving stuff and getting to the top of Success Mountain really you know, was a, a recipe for wanting to jump off because what I thought was there wasn't. And that was a massive distinction for me in my mid-20s when I realized there is a huge difference, Chris, between a life-chasing success and a life-chasing fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And the two are very different. And anyway, I started to pivot and it really honed me into one aspect of personal growth that very few people tend to, to focus on because they're too busy chasing that white rabbit around the track, wondering why they can't catch it. And that was human behavior. I'm like, why do so many people with so much money feel miserable, commit suicide or on antidepressants, can't get their relationships together when we thought that was the way that we were going to get everything we wanted? Mm -hmm. So I got fascinated with people. What makes us get up in the morning, excited or not excited? What makes us relate to each other? Because no one teaches that in in freaking high school or college. And so that became my game. And uh, I'm I'm a great believer that we we are in a growth-centric environment. Yeah, life is a growth-centric experience, not a comfort-centric experience. And when you wake up to that reality, life tends to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I, I spent many years teaching around the world. I worked with Tony Robbins for 15 years as one of his experienced trainers. Oh, wow. Psychotherapeutic intervention. I've been running on seminars and events for many years, and I'm, I've been very blessed to, to help millions of people around the world. And I, I'm a great believer that yeah, the strongest trees don't grow in the best soil. Mm-hmm. They grow in the strongest winds. Mm-hmm. And if we're to become the best versions of who we are, we should really expect life to test us because we only grow through challenge. We know that looking at the physical body. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I had what I, I call a graduation event 
four years ago. I've, I've been living in Dubai. I had a, I had a great life. You know, I was on the Palm. I drove my McLaren. I was you know, doing multi-millions of dollars in business. And, and one of the companies that I did some business with, which was a multi-billion dollar you know, household name, I bought a load of, I bought a load of kit from them. I sold it at a small margin. I, seven years later, I'm living at my home in England. They knock on the door with a $100 million law firm suing oh, wow. me for $17 million. Damn. I'm like, what? Like, we didn't say you could resell the goods you bought. I'm like, you didn't give me a contract saying I couldn't. <laughs> and it, they were upset because some of the people that bought the goods were licensed distributors from them and shouldn't have bought the goods. That wasn't my deal. I didn't, yeah. They were buying it cheaper from me than them. And they, they were trying to bully me into giving them some like, hundred grand in, in an early settlement so that they, yeah. they, they dropped it all. I'm like, this is BS. Shakedown lawsuit. Now, any, anybody listening here that's had experience in, in litigation, yeah, especially entrepreneurs, will understand that when it comes to, to court, it's got nothing to do with who's right or wrong. Uh, nobody walks in with the agenda to lose. It's got everything to do with having a chess piece on the board and use litigation as a tool. Mm-hmm. But I thought they were bluffing. And because I wasn't playing ball, they issued a, a contempt of court application saying to the judge that I'd breached a freezing order. And I looked it out. I hadn't done anything wrong. And I looked and it was clever. It was very, very well put together how they distorted context. Mm-hmm. But I thought it would be left out of court in four minutes. I thought it was just more pressure to get me to settle. Mm-hmm. So at that time, this is four years ago, I'm running you know, a decent business in coaching now and training, teaching a lot of the lessons I've learned. Yeah, I've got 50 staff. We're doing six figures a month in revenue. And I'm like, hey, gang, I've just got to pop into court next week and get rid of this BS. I never came back. Oh, wow. They sold it to the judge. He gave me six months in prison as a civil prisoner. Never been arrested, never Holy been accused, shit. never been convicted, still don't have a criminal record. Now, now they can do that in England? Because yeah. here, here in America, you can only do that in a criminal court. No. Nope. Oh, for uh, contempt? Uh, Maybe for contempt. contempt. Yeah, the largest contempt court sentence in American history was given to my friend Kevin Trudeau. Oh, wow. He got 10 years for contempt as a civil prisoner. Got released hmm. a few weeks ago. Anyway, I'm like, whoa. I just sold, I'd spent 50 grand that month on Facebook ads to sell 50 grand worth of tickets to my three-day business school. And now 50 grand of the people want their money back. We got, it was an absolute like, crap show. And I'm, I'm not, and because of where I was, the nearest prison to me was statistically the most violent prison in the UK. Wow. And I was there for six months. Now, walking down the steps, and this is, I'm, I'm giving the backstory here to not just the book, but also what I want to share with some people here, because again, we're all having a tough time. Everyone's got a story. And you know, we need to understand that if you're using your story to try to get some level of sympathy, validation, or even significance, people, you, people get secondary gain from their problems, which is why they choose not to outgrow them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have a significant bank balance. I don't have a significant house. I don't have a significant education, but I have a significant problem. They, they use secondary gain a lot in their story, but I'm here to tell everybody, if you haven't figured it out yet, 80% of people don't care about your problems and the other 20% are glad you have them. <laughs> right? So you, you can't play that game. Very true. And when the judge sent me down, I was about to get married. I just, it was like, it was unbelievable. It's totally out of left field. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I've got a choice. For a start, resisting or complaining at anything that has already happened is futile. Mm-hmm. Fool's game. So many people waste energy resisting two things. One, what's already happened? Stupid. Unless you've got a time machine I don't know about. And second is what they can't control. Mm-hmm. 
If you're resisting or putting energy into resenting, telling stories about it, having cancerous self-talk, if only, and what if, and all of that stuff, you, you, you know, go bang your head against the wall for 20 minutes, come back, tell me if it's made any difference. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had a choice at that moment. And I refused to see myself as a prisoner. I saw myself as a secret agent of change. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, There goes the 007. Marvelous. But I thought, if I am lucky enough to be asked by whatever label you want to call it, the universe, infinite intelligence, yeah, God, I, I don't care what your label is. And to be able to send into a place where most of the people that could probably benefit from the kind of work that people and myself or stuff you're putting out, Chris, do, but they never get to see it because they're in someone like jail. Yeah. Wow, what an opportunity. And I went in there committed to making a difference. And anyway, long story short, I ended up getting a lot of the prisoners off drugs. I was stopping suicides. I reached wow. out the system to reduce violence between the wings. I, I won a national award while I was in there that's now on uh, stuff that's now being used in prisons all over the world, including uh, 30,000 last week uh, prisoners in the U.S. got the, uh, the, one of the, uh, the mental adjustment stories that I put together for, for prisoners to help them. And yeah, it turned out to be an incredible adventure. But when I went in, there was that much uncertainty. And this is, if you've seen Prison Break, we're pretty on the same page. Blood on the floor was a daily occurrence. Wow. Attempted murders were weekly. Three mm-hmm. deaths in one week was the worst week I was there. Wow. And this is a, a proper, proper guy. It's not a holiday camp. Yeah. And I, uh, I wrote to my senior students. At the time, I was getting $50,000 a year from my high-level students to teach them the kind of stuff that, you know, you see Tony Robbins do on stage with people on interventions and how to navigate their life and you know, that kind of stuff. I was, I was you know, getting top of my game. Now I've got an opportunity. I, I call it a, to go and demonstrate that a theory doesn't cover the price of admission to the higher levels of greatness. I like that. That should be in a shirt. Ah. And it was the every two weeks I wrote to them, and it was part journal. It was part yeah, how-to manual, years of tradecraft, decades of, of the best that I had to do to survive in an environment that I'd never expected to be in. And yeah, in part, you couldn't make it up, but it was real. And when I came out after six months, they said they'd learned more from those 11 letters than following me around the world for the last two years on stage. And I had to make it available to the public. And I'm like, guys, you were paying me a lot of money to learn this stuff. But they said it could help a lot of people. I said, that's my hot button. We published it. It went bestseller in uh, two hours. Amazon number one in four hours. We sold to 42 countries on the first day. We outsold three suppliers on the first day. And I'm very humbled to say, if you check any Amazon review, Goodreads, Kindle, Audible, whatever, it's pretty much changed the life of every single person that's read the book. And I'm, I'm very humbled by that. I really am. But I go into detail. Yeah, if you've got a problem in your life right now, I give you the tools, not the positive psychology. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's easy to kick back with a margarita on deck when the sun's out and the waters are still. But <laughs> when the storm clouds come and the waves start getting up and all of a sudden, yeah, things start you know, hitting the fan. Who shows up? How do you show up? What tools do you have to be able to rely on? And I lost everything. I came out of prison three, just over three years ago, third of a million in debt. No business. They, they, they hit me with all the legal costs. Yeah, no credit rating. I had a multi-decade 999 credit rating. First black Amex holder in the UK. Right, gone. Never coming back. Just It all went to hell. Mm-hmm. And I came out thinking, wow, now, I've never dug myself out of a hole that deep. This has got to be exciting. That's a good perspective to keep on that. And I'm very happy to say that 2020 was the best year I've ever had, not just in uh, in the coaching business, and, and but in any business in 27 years. 2021 has already beat 2020. That's uh, awesome, dude. Yeah, 
And that's not because I'm clever or special. I'm using certain tools that I teach people in that book on how to not get taken out because there's a lot of people getting crushed right now, but there's also a lot of people crushing it. And the difference is not opportunity. It's not the person you're married to. It's not your background. It's none of that. It's how do you use your mindset to take on challenges rather than run from them? I really love this because some of my greatest moments that that, that I've come out of and rebounded from are some of my darkest. And then also, uh, I usually wrote during those moments, usually on social media, my dog's dying and how I felt about it and other different things. And it and I always thought that at the time I was writing, I was going through a selfish exercise where I was just like, here's the bullshit I'm going through. And what was interesting is me catharticizing it online and sharing it with people, my story, my pain, my struggle, how I was trying to work through it or how eventually I worked through it process, I would have people write to me and they still do whenever I share something like this and, and they go, holy crap, I didn't realize that I had some unresolved issues. I didn't realize that I need to help like this and watching you go through the struggle and, and the, the challenge motivates me and helps me resolve some of the different issues I have and different motivations I need. So I think this is brilliant how you turned basically lemons into lemonade. I appreciate that, Chris. And and yeah, what strikes me from what you share there is that you give people permission to relate. Mm. And that comes from a place of being authentic. We look at social media these days and we think it's the life people have and we forget that it's not. It's the life everybody wants other people to think they have. And yeah, there's no level of authenticity there. There's no level of, of vulnerability. And when you can come through that and, and say, hey, listen, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm just as yeah, messed up in that area as anybody else. And hey, listen, I just made a massive mistake and here's what it cost me. And, and having the courage to say sorry is a, a huge relief from the burden people carry of thinking they have to appear a particular way. And I call it swimming in goop. Swimming yeah, in goop. Goop. Yeah, goop is a nasty, sticky, smelly substance you never want to be. And it stands for the good opinion of other people. Mm-hmm. And so many people spend their life in goop and you cannot be authentic. Uh, and the reason they do that, and it's an interesting awareness, and I'll share this with people. If you know, fear of rejection, fear of being judged, trying to fit in, avoidance of, of conflict, you know, craving connection, approval, validation, any of that stuff you know, resonates. I'll share a little analogy with you that usually helps a lot of people try to break out. And that is, I see as all as the, the star, you know, go back to James Bond, we, I see as all as the star of the movie of our life. Mm. I'm pretty sure that everybody is the star of their own movie because they're the only one that's in every single scene. I've, I need to get paid better. That's all I know. <laughs> I need to talk to my agent about what I, the deal. Yeah, but you are the star of the Chris Voss movie. That's and true. I better, every single scene. I better be the star of the Chris Voss show. But, uh, on top, at mm. no extra charge. Yep, there you go. When it comes to... That as a presupposition, that leads to two things. One is that everybody else in your movie can only play one or two roles. Mm-hmm. Either at best, they are a supporting cast, oh. spouse, uh, business partner, yeah, sibling, or whatever it may be. The vast 99.9 keep going percent of people uh, in your movie are nothing more than film extras in your movie. Wow. I don't know, though, if you have a spouse, you may want to make her lead actress or lead actor, whatever your preference is, because, you know, if you make her supporting cast, you're, you might get some. She's a supporting cast in your movie because she's That's not in everything. Supporting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Poor but, we'll we'll the lawyers for you. <laughs> and what's the definition of a film extra for, for people who want it easy? The, the definition of a film extra is somebody you're not thinking about when they're not in your scene. Mm-hmm. Now, did, right. now, if I have film extras, do I have to provide the film extra table of the food there? 
Because that's, uh, that's say, so expensive. Talk to your agent. Yeah, we should be able to get good rates. But here's the problem. Just because we walk around seeing ourselves as the star of our movie, we automatically presuppose that everybody else sees us as the star of our movie. Ah. And, of course, they don't. They don't. <laughs> They're like the star They're of their movie. They're in a different movie. Ah. Right? They're in their own movie. Which means, by definition, at best, we may be a supporting cast. But the vast majority of people we will meet in our lifetime, we are nothing more than a film extra in their movie. They're not thinking about us when we are not in their scene. Damn it. And, and what that leads to is the awareness. And again, if you're driven by approval, validation, you know, you know, all of that kind of stuff, if you're worried about the good opinion of others, which prevents you from being authentic, you need to understand the fundamental truth. Most people don't care enough about you to bother to give an opinion. No way. Why? Because they're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them wow this is a lot of movies yeah i need right better writers clearly that's for sure yeah. you know hire martin scorsese there is, it's like we're all walking around in our own bubble of self-importance thinking that everybody else is seeing us as the bubble in our bubble but they're not they're walking around their own bubble of self-importance wondering what we're thinking of that and when you get to that realization you realize it's nothing but a ghost oh i can't go down to the, sh- the supermarket without putting on my makeup oh no i i, I can't go out to, to collect on the mailbox in my dressing gown and slippers what will people think if you've got any of that kind of self-talk, you're stuck in goop. Uh, and that's that, that you will never be able to rise above the opinion of yourself. Number one rule in personal growth. People can never rise above the opinion of themselves. Hmm. And if your opinion is tapered by what you think other people are thinking and judging you by, which in reality, they're not, because yeah. they're too busy being worried about what your judgments of them are, you will never be able to step into your greatness and you will never be able to capitalize on the opportunities in front of you by bringing your best self to the table to do it. Maybe a good analogy using the movie thing is you shouldn't listen to the movie critics because they're full of it and you shouldn't take bad bit parts. You should always take a lead in your movie. I don't know. Just a good analogy. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of people that got sucked in to being unpaid film extras in the big budget disaster movie that's going on right now, the Corona movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big budget one. And that's a really poor career move. Yeah, the people that are crushing it right now in spite of what other people would call global circumstances, people whose industries got destroyed, not just jobs, people who lost people they cared. Those people that are crushing it right now understand that they are the star of their own movie. A new future is always available to them. And they're living their life at cause, not effect. Mm. As soon as you're at effect, you're a film extra in somebody else's movie. Good luck. You're never going to get an Oscar playing an extra in somebody else's movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, so what tools do you need to fall back on to be able to do that? And, well, there's a whole series. And I, I go through the book. Yeah, every single chapter, I do a syllabus section to teach my students what are the tools I'm using. Yeah, what, what are the global beliefs that I'm having to install or you know, uh, yeah, put deeper or hang on to in order to stop me going into depression or you know, have suicidal thoughts or all the other stuff that in that low energy, yeah, poor consciousness level in, in prison it's a tough environment. I'd never been in anything like that before. And I know that's, you know, that, that's part of my previous privilege, but I'm so glad I was able to go and experience that and help people in it get out. Yeah. That's a hell of an experience. It's a hell of a bottom to recover from. The thing that's interesting about your journey is there's a lot of people out there that they've got this blue sky effect and they're like, Hey, just think positive and everything will be good. And you're like, has anything bad ever happened to you? Like really in life? And I, I got a hangnail once and you're like, 
come on, man. But the beautiful part about what you did is you went through it, man. You went through a, a lot of bottom that no one else goes through and it proved you could rise up, man. It really tested everything you've been teaching, tested your knowledge, tested your, what do they call it? Validity of proof or, or validation of proof. And uh, now you can look away from it, inspire people, uh, motivate them, say to people, hey, you don't have to go through the bottom that I went through and you can still take control of your life and be successful. I appreciate that. And again, one of the things I want to share with the listeners here is that hey, it, this isn't about me. Please don't make it about me. That's uh, If you start disrelating that way, you'll invalidate your own power. Uh, okay. One has to understand that the, the river of life always bends. Yeah, we never know what's around the corner. And we, ha- we live in this linear construct. Yeah, and there are no straight lines in nature. If you see a straight line, it's man-made, right? So the river of life is going to bend. And we like canals. We like to plan a straight line to our goal. Well, that never works. Uh, it's, if you learn to trust the, the, the wisdom of the current, because there's so many times where, as you said, yeah, you've gone through a dark night of the soul. And six months later, you were like, wow, thank God that happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... If we know that happens all of the time, why wait six months to celebrate? And if you start to, instead of resisting the current, so what do most people do? They're going down the river, they're heading in the direction of the goal, they're all happy, they're heading north, and all of a sudden the river bends east. And what do they do? It's like my goal was north. So they take a shovel out of the boat and start digging a channel through the bank. Right? A lot of wasted energy. If you learn to sail with the bends, it will always bring you back around faster. And, you know, Unfortunately, most people spend their energy resisting the current rather than spending their energy positioning themselves better in the current. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and if you do that, it's powerful. That's a really good lesson. That's a really good lesson. And so what other aspects of the book are there in there that people can really learn from or if they reach out to you on social media or your website and get to know you better? I think well, yeah, there's so much in it. chapter one. I, I give you what my, my core beliefs are going in so that, yeah, and, and how I'm helping installing those. Yeah. And second chapter, I, I talk about the anthem of stress, which is drama yeah, and, and how to avoid it. And certainly what I call OPD, other people's drama. Yeah. We're all tired of that one. The third chapter, I'm very raw. I talk about the times I cried. I talk about the times that I, you know, I doubted myself, the time I didn't know if I'd be, I'd ever teach again or what have you. But, and all of the interventions that I'm doing, for example, there's one where there's three guys on the wing. Yeah, and they are, there's a Muslim, a Christian, and an atheist about having an argument. No one's going to win that game. And you can feel the tension rising. Now, everyone's armed. Everyone's got a shank. Everyone's got, you know, the, the, the guy that was killed just before I was there was stabbed with a toothbrush, plastic toothbrush that had been oh. shot like, did you, on the Did you die from that? That's a hell of a way to die. Yeah, yeah. Death by toothbrush. Next time but, my uh, girlfriend tells me to put my toothpaste uh, brush away, I, I will. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check under the pillow for the ice pick. Uh, I think that's a, that's, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm being a little you know, sort of facetious to try to alleviate the, the, the seriousness of it in a way because you had to. But I've got to get myself invited into that conversation. I've got to maintain the illusion of significance for those that are on the power trip. I've got to recontextualize the foundation so that they all become friends and then walk away as if I wasn't. How do you do that? Yeah. Chapter seven, I've got 10 minutes to stop somebody killing themselves. They're about to commit suicide. Jesus. Now you can change anybody's state in the moment, but what happens when they go back to their cell and think the same depressing thoughts that caused them in the first place? And I'm no longer there to help. How do you permanently shift somebody from doing that? I break it all down. Again, this was my, my advanced students. So yeah, I'm going through a lot of trade craft, 
a lot of understanding, some deep insights, the, the patterns that we run in, in uh, as human beings. For example, as a business coach, I, I would get approached by people say, oh, I want to learn time management. Now you go to most business coaches and ask that, they'll go teach you some time management technique. Absolute waste of time. Why? A, you can't manage time. You can't manage time as much as you can manage a current of a river while standing in it. You can only manage your relationship to time. Mm-hmm. Don't try to manage time. As soon as you do that, you're trying to commoditize it. Like you can go and, and buy four hours from Walmart. No. Uh, you manage your focus. That's a way better you know, priority to have than managing your time. But what's the pattern that's driving it? And if I'm working with a CEO, you usually find it's one of several things. Here's a common one. That they are micromanagers. Now, what is a micromanager? Yeah, it's a fear of letting go of the need for control. Why? So they, would, they have to do everything. One of the underlying patterns behind that most of the time is that people tie their self-worth to their net worth. If your self-worth and net worth are combined, you are always going to feel fear when your monetary situation is threatened because it's tied to your self-worth. Uh, and therefore, if the staff aren't doing a good job in your mind, and no one's going to do as bad a job as you, otherwise they have their own business. Exactly. Then, you know, then you're trying to control everything. So it's about dealing with that. Or another common one, fear of rejection. You don't say no to people because it may trigger a rejection response. So therefore you say yes to too, too many things and now you've got too much on your calendar and now you think you need time management. No, you solve the issue of inability to handle rejection and all of a sudden your calendar gets freed up. You see my point? It's the patterns that run us unconsciously that most people are completely unaware of. And that's what I delineate in the book in detail on many different aspects. I really like that, especially that aspect of people tying their net worth to their value of their person, because a lot of people do that. How much am I getting paid is how much I'm worth. Yeah. Uh, If I lose my job, I'm not worth anything. If I lose my family, if I lose my wife, my husband, my kids, I suddenly, I I have no value. A lot of people tie themselves that way and then they're really lost. I, I, for me, one of my challenges was when going from poor to being, uh, having money was I valued myself based upon those segments. And unfortunately I valued myself based on how much money I had, not how much intrinsic value or stuff I'd worked on for myself internally. And so the challenge I had was I, while I was making money, I was still just this broken piece of mess on the inside. And I was like, wait, I thought getting rich was supposed to fix all this crap. And a lot of people think that way too. They just think I'm screwed up now. If I get money, I'll be fine. Like everyone's, everyone's better. It's proven that a lot of people that like women, when they chase rich guys or rock stars or Hollywood people, we assume that because they have this elevated place in society or elevated money that just all their problems problems are fixed once they get there. My, my, my money won't, the reason people without money think that money will fix your problems is because most of their immediate problems are centered on lack of money. Yeah. And so once those immediate problems are taken care of and they have money, they'll realize that life is a growth-centric experience. You're going to get problems and challenges by design. You just have better quality ones, and you can arrive at them with a better set of clothes. Yeah. In fact, right? the, the, one of the challenges with getting money is you insulate yourself so you can buy insulation from your problems and your self issues and then you can surround yourself with all these people who are like you're fine as long as you're buying you're screwed up but we accept you and we love you and don't even worry about fixing all that shit that's wrong with you and yeah it's you, it actually makes it worse because you're it's like money right? money's a magnifier it's all it is it'll it'll open up your decision space wider if you're generous money will make you more generous if you're tight money will, will make you more tight 
Yeah, if you're fearful, money will, you'll have more stuff to be fearful about in case Par- you lose paranoid. Yeah. It's just a magnifier. And yeah, it's not a magic pill. In society, it is a reflection of the value you can add when it comes to commerce, because that's how what money is nothing more than a, an arbitrary medium of exchange that is used to measure perceived value. And most people without money resent people with money because they don't realize that, well, no, it's, that, that the only time you got money was if you gave something of value for it first, whether it was 40 hours a week, a product or a service. So if you haven't got enough money, start asking yourself, not how can I get money? That's You're chasing the effect. That's like sitting in front of the fire saying, give me some wood, I'll go find you some heat. Yeah, or so, you know, sorry, give me some heat, I'll go fetch you some wood. Or walking into the gym, <laughs> right? Yeah, nobody walks into the gym and says, hey, give me the strength, I'll go lift the weights. Uh-huh. No, it's the byproduct or a consequence. You go add value, you look over your shoulder and think, wow, where did that money come from? Mm-hmm. Because it's a byproduct or a consequence. But if you're chasing money, you'll chase your tail. So ask yourself, how can I add value, not how can I get money? And you'll start to shift your relationship to it in a way that opens up more opportunity to attract it. There you go. That's freaking awesome, man. That's just beautiful. So as we round out uh, our interview with you, anything more you want to touch on or expand on from the book to encourage people to go get it or to reach out well, to I, you? I actually, now I was coming on, Chris, I really wanted to do something special for your, for your readers. I don't take people's time lightly. My, one of my old mentors used to say, talk is cheap and time is valuable. So if they've given us or they've been gracious enough to give us their time for the last you know, half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is, then I really want to be able to give something back to them. Because again, I've made way more in business than I'll ever do selling books. That's not what I'm doing this for. I'm doing it to try to help, especially in today's society. So I want to get this in the hands of as many people as possible. And so I'm giving it away. I'm going to give a copy away to every single listener, viewer, or member of your tribe. And and if you go to Barnes & Noble now, you can spend, or Amazon, you can spend twenty four ninety five. And I've got a special link where if you can go, and if you don't mind, I'll give it out. It's petersage.com forward slash Voss, V-O-S. And if you go to petersage.com forward slash Voss, you'll be able to get the book. Just give me a, a little bit to cover the shipping and the handling. It's like okay. you know, under, under 10 bucks. And I'll send you a, a physical copy to your home within two to three days. If you live in North America, it's normally two days. And you can start on this and you can go again, go look at the reviews. Don't buy it off Amazon. It's too dear. Right? Yeah, or Barnes and Noble. But look at the reviews if you want to see how this has impacted people's lives. And all I'm going to ask in return is, A, you read it. It doesn't become data for later like most people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, if, you, if it helps you, give it to somebody. Read it, use go. it, pass it to somebody else who thinks having a tough time. It, there's so many things in here. Yeah, I, I, again, if I can show you how to stop a suicide in seven minutes, I can promise you I know how to deal with your, your, your 12-year-old daughter that comes home upset from school because something happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, There's the best of what I've learned in 30 years tested in real-world environment in here that I want to give to people without you – know, anything in return so that we can help get this planet back on track. Because what will get us through this global situation right now is not more platitudes, not more positive thinking, but a tool set that allows you to become the best version of yourself so we can become leaders and examples to others and the invitation to follow. There you go. Thank you very much, Peter. That is incredibly darn generous, man. And uh, sharing your message and sharing the book and stuff, my readers are going to eat this up. In fact, we're going to take this part, cut it, and move it to the front, too, so there'll be a bookends on it. Everybody that first tunes in will get that before their next text oh, message you. or Facebook <laughs> post comes in. So it. definitely give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah, petersage.com uh, is uh, always a great place to go. You've got my website there. You've got a, I've got a free five-day challenge that I run as well for people that want to learn how to upgrade their peer group. I think you become who you hang with, and that's something we've forgotten a lot because 
Yeah, there's a lot of negativity out there right now. And a lot of people feel that if they're positive, people don't get them. And, uh, and I'm sure you heard Dan uh, when he was on the show uh, way back, one of my you know, mentors for 20, 25 years now, Dan Pena. And yeah, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. That's very uh, true. To, to, to quote Dan. And so I, I give a free little chance, like a few minute videos a day for five days showing people how do you surround yourself with people who you can either aspire to be or going in the same direction. Now, you hang around with 10 recreational drug users. I've got news for you. You're going to become the 11th, right? You hang around with 10 motivated, high conscious people that are looking at life through the lens of how we can, not why we can't. You're going to become the 11th or they're going to kick you out of the game. Right? Yeah, uh, that's a big skill set. And I put that on my website to help people with as well. I just want to try and give as many tools as I can for people that are looking to seek them. I can't help everyone and nor should I. But if you've got the want to, I can bring the how to. And that's usually a pretty good partnership. There you go. There you go. Thank you very much for sharing this all this stuff with us. We appreciate you taking some time, Peter, and it's been really insightful and wonderful to spend time with you. I'm glad I got to know you better. Thank you very much, sir. Pleasure's mine, and Chris, keep putting out what you're doing. You're changing a lot of lives yourself, my friend, and it's been a real pleasure to connect. I'm sure we'll run it back sometime. There you go, with the help of your people like yourself. He is the author of the book, The Inside Track, An Inspirational Guide to Conquering Adversity. And uh, guess what? He just made us a great offer on the Chris Voss Show. You can go to petersage.com forward slash Voss. And uh, I think I got that right, didn't I, Peter? Correct. There you go. And uh, you can get a free copy of the book. Just pay for the shipping and all that good stuff. Take and see all the stuff we have on youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss. Hit that bell notification button. Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss. All the Instagram groups, the Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, Twitter, all that sort of good stuff. Follow us all over there. I think we're on TikTok too. So thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.